Georgia is electing a new governor this year. But will the election be legit? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Every Saturday from 3 to 6 today, with the occasional exception, today I'm on from 3 to 5, but we are going to uh, jam-pack this show with a lot of really interesting, important stuff, very relevant to the Georgia voter, especially this year, as we face a, uh, a gubernatorial election. It is Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo. It is also Kentucky Derby Day. It's a big day. My uh, producer, Binkley, is here in studio with me, always providing interesting research, clips, tweets. And uh, you, it's your favorite holiday today, too, right, Binkley? Well, it's Progressive's favorite holiday. <laughs> it is Marx's birthday or the Progressive Christmas, I guess you would call it. Cute, cute. Uh, I know I'm not in the habit of celebrating Marx's birthday, but uh, hey, man, it seems relevant for today's topic, actually, which is... Uh, so I, I, this year is an election year in Georgia. It's a significant year. Um, Nathan Deal is the governor. He is term limited out of office. And we have primaries, both Democrat and Republican, coming up May 22nd. Um, and the election uh, is November 6th. So it looks to me there was a debate last week on the Democrat side. There are two Stacys running for the Democratic nomination, Stacey Abrams and Stacey Evans. And uh, as Georgia is such a red state, you would think this was not the more important race. But and we're going to cover over the next couple of months, we're going to cover all the candidates and uh, all the details of the election. But uh, today I want to talk about that debate and these candidates because there is such a... um, a movement to f- flip it started with and i and binkley and i talked about this when ossoff was running last year and the hashtag was flip the sixth but i said it's going to be flip the south it's going to be flip the flyovers if you'll see that rural places are now being targeted they want to flip red states blue uh speaking of marks i actually choke on the red state thing because that makes it sound like the republicans are the are you know, it diminishes the whole left-right paradigm by assigning red to the Republicans, but I'll, I'll go with it. They want to flip the red states blue. And and Stacey Abrams, so I, I personally do not feel like uh, Stacey Evans has any chance at all to win. Binkley, you've been following this pretty closely. You agree with that? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so Stacey Abrams is the heir apparent, at least for the nomination for the Democrats, from what I can tell. And uh, and she she's really making it her uh, her cause, and I, and I think it's because she's part of a, of a bigger movement, and I'm not talking about like a grassroots movement, I'm talking about like a George Soros movement, where she is, uh, they're really trying to flip, uh, uh, to transform, to tr- fundamentally transform the South from red to blue. I mean, you know, I'm always down the rabbit hole. I actually wonder if... Trump's election, whether on purpose or not, from his point of view, certainly was something. And actually, George Soros has referred to this, if I recall correctly, that and and so is Stacey Abrams, actually, that the reaction to Trump is like the best thing that ever happened to progressives in the South, that it's gotten people mobilized, galvanized, I guess the word is, to uh, to go out and vote. And, And I actually uh, I'm I I am, have become so jaded about even the voting and at the 4:30 um, at 4:30 today, 
I'm going to have a a very important guest, Garland Favorito, who just discovered some amazing, uncovered, audited, some amazing irregularities in how the 2016 election, um, certainly how it was, how the vulnerabilities it had. They they destroyed the records, so there's no way to figure out if there are irregularities. Um, but there were vulnerabilities, and that kind of thing makes me uh, really suspicious that we get the uh, winners that we actually elected. But they still have to make it seem like there's a, there's an explanation for for how a district could flip. So when Jeff Sessions won his seat in Alabama as a senator, he got 97% of the popular vote. Now, how can you elect a Democrat into that spot and make it plausible? So they, they have to make stuff up, like Roy Moore... Well, I'm not saying... They, they, they have to have a good reason. So Roy Moore's terrible reputation for a lot of bad stuff was one reason. Getting... Um, I guess black women had previously been a really low voting demographic. If you say all of a sudden 100 percent of them voted, you know, that that kind of thing can swing a district. And I, and that's Stacey Abrams story here, that because she's going to get the vote out of people who have never voted before. You think Georgia's deep red. And I always figure a place like that people stay on the couch because not because they're too lazy uh, to vote or because they don't care, but because they know that there is absolutely no way a Democrat's going to win or whatever. I just remember in Texas, voter, voter turnout was kind of low always because you knew what the outcome was going to be. And if it becomes more in play, you actually go out and vote. So uh, but I'm not even convinced the it matters what the actual numbers are. It matters the message. And she is really driving home this message of flipping Georgia. Uh, but but she also talks about flipping the South and flipping the country. And if you dig into where she comes from, it is clear that her ambitions are much uh, broader, that she is um, really has her eye on a bigger prize. She's People talk about her. Uh, there was a Cosmopolitan article that Binkley sent me just this morning that said, um, she was going to run for president in 2028. I mean, she's already got that on her little uh, to-do list. And, but but when I looked at her previous, you know, the list of where she's been, not where she's going, and I've mentioned this before on the air, but like more stuff has come to my attention. She has these absolutely, I mean, a, a, a really, if you're not a big fan of globalism or like a world government, this this her resume is scary. She's a member of this Council on Foreign Relations, which already puts her, you know, at the top of the list of, um, you know, world governance aspirants. But she has these fellowships that uh, the next generation fellow of the American Assembly at Columbia University on global policy and the future of international institutions. All right. So that's a big mouthful. But every noteworthy alum listed on their website is a is a, a, an assistant secretary uh, at the Department of Defense. So that's, you know, that's what, what her training is. She's at the American Marshall Memorial Fellow, which I think is out of Germany, the American Council of Young Political Leaders Fellow, which is out of the Department of State, Council on Italy Fellow, I couldn't even find that, British American Project Fellow, that's about transatlantic relations, Salzburg Global Seminar fellow on U.S. East Asian relations, a UCOS fellow for U.S. Russian relations. I mean, it goes on and on. So this uh, candidate I, I, is absolutely, in my opinion, 
kind of being groomed from very high, uh, you know, way behind the curtain for very big things. And what she wants is is not, I think, her agenda, while she couches it in terms of ending poverty or uh, or empowering black women, she really has a, an agenda that's totally consistent with this global agenda that uh, I think is going to emerge if she becomes the governor. But I wanted to play a couple of clips, I think, from her own words that kind of help you understand where she's uh, where she's coming from with this. Binkley, let's um, let's start with clip 16. Governor in the white and I was going to go to the White House. I'm not going there yet. (laughs) One one step at a time. (laughs) So she reveals there that her aspirations, she's already looking ahead. And and she does talk in other places about how being governor is just being the CEO. And and that kind of stuff scares me. You know, I just feel like uh, it's. On the one hand, she just wants to use it as a stepping stone. And on the other hand, she's going to use it to who knows, you know, who knows how she really wants to reshape Georgia. And she definitely does. Um, As a matter of fact, let's listen to clip 17. Binkley, thanks. I'm asking for Georgians votes now because every Georgian is a partner in our effort to change the state. And now you're a part of that transformational effort, because when we change Georgia, we can change the South. And when we change the South, we can change the nation. But how does she want to change it? I, I, we do have time for one more clip, Binkley. Can you just quickly tell me where this clip eight came from and then play it? I believe clip eight came from after her debate the other night. And this is, she was surrounded by a bunch of celebrities when she talked about Okay, this. let's hear it. Clip eight. One of the reasons I'm talking to folks from around the country is that Georgia is a national state. You can't get anywhere without going through Atlanta. You can't move any goods without going through Savannah. And we spent a lot of money bringing Hollywood to Georgia. But more than that, Georgia is emblematic of what America should be and will be. And that is why I'm excited to have voices from across this country. While every one of them is certainly known in Hollywood, they each come with their own activist spirit and with work that they've done to lift up the community. And that's why I'm so thrilled to have them with me. Because what they reflect are the values of Georgia, standing up for people, speaking out, and doing what needs to be done to make change. And I'm excited to have a campaign that is locally grounded but nationally known because we have to change all of Georgia to move forward. I I just no way that you slice it am I going to believe that a majority of voters in Georgia think that Hollywood values (laughs) are Georgia values, right? I mean, that's the plot. It's not the reality. And I actually, of course, always down the rabbit hole, feel like... One of the reasons they brought Hollywood to Georgia with tax incentives and stuff like that was in order to to flip it. So I'm going to explore more of these underlying themes after the break. You can uh, tweet at me at Monica Perez Show, 800-WSB-TALK, uh, 404-872-0750. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like... Uh your opinion man on news 95.5 at am 750 wsb we are talking about uh one one element of the georgia governor's race there i'm going to be covering this throughout the year it's an election year it's very important for georgia and it's really um in georgia's really in the crosshairs for this blue wave um flip the south 
my producer Binkley and I, uh, who's here in the studio, um, have talked about this for a long time, that, that this was really, they were targeting the South. And so I'm starting with, because there was a debate last week between the Democratic candidates, Stacey Evans and Stacey Abrams. We're going to get into some of the fine points of that debate uh, at the bottom of the hour, but uh, I just wanted to give you a little backstory on Stacey Abrams, kind of where she's coming from. And one of the things that really, really worries me is her attitude about the state's role in raising children. So, um, Binkley, I, I want clip 18 and then clip 12. Can you tell me where these are from, or at least uh, one of them, if you know? Clip 18 is from one of her campaign ads. All right, let's hear it. As Georgia's next governor, we will educate bold and ambitious children from cradle to career. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I want <laughs> my child in creepy. a cradle. Yeah, it's creepy. And what careers are they preparing for? I want to squeeze in one more clip. Let's do, this is from what, Netroots Nation? Netroots Nation. That is an activist training that she headlined. All right, let's hear it. Clip 12. What kind of education do we want for our children? We have to start with high-quality daycare because the child's brain starts to form from the moment he or she arrives on this earth. And we can't wait till they're three to decide they're worth our time and our attention. And more importantly, parents can't be spending time trying to make a living and worrying about whether their child is gonna be able to start life on the right foot. That's the state's responsibility, both in education and economic development, and we can afford to do better. But we also have to expand pre-K. Starting at four years old is not early enough. Starting at four is not early enough for the state to raise your children. More on Stacey Abrams' agenda after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. It's a man house! A man house! On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Saturdays from three to six normally. I'm cutting out a little early tonight. I'm going to zip down to New Orleans and catch the tail end of Jazz Fest, my favorite thing. I don't even like the music. It's just the atmosphere down there. I love it. I mean, I like the music, but that's not the main reason I go. Super fun, but it's a fun day all around. It's Cinco de Mayo. It's Kentucky Derby Day. Kind of something for everyone. Uh, but um, we have a lot to talk about. And uh uh, in at 4:30, I'm going to have Garland Favorito from VoterGA.org on. He just did a real expose, an unbelievable. Um, I think it, it's just amazing. Uh, kind of what happened uh, with the Kennesaw, Kennesaw State destruction of election records and the vulnerabilities that were in the system at that time, and. Um, it looks like it's being covered up. I mean, this guy, it's really shocking what Garland has to say. So I want him to explain it himself. But this is the kind of thing that makes me wonder how how important elections are as far as are they really who we want but or who we're voting for. But I would take it back even a step and say at a certain point, the uh, – the voting itself is so manipulated that, uh, you know, it just it gets to the point where people are, are pandering to your needs, to your desires. I, I read a funny line in an article uh, this morning. 
My producer Binkley's here. He sent me a lot of stuff. So I hope I can reach it all uh, quickly. Here's one. It says, uh, this is about Stacey Abrams, who's running for the Democratic nomination for Georgia governor. It says, Abrams spent most of her childhood in Gulfport, Mississippi, one of six children. Every Saturday, her parents took their kids to volunteer. Once she asked her parents, why do we have to go do this ourselves? Aren't there people who should be doing this? And mom and dad were like, well, that's called government. I'm like, well, government's making me not be able to watch Super Friends because we have to go on Saturday when the cartoons are on. The point to her being, if government worked better, she'd be able to watch TV. So that to me is the message that that a lot of times that I think, I think there are a lot of good-hearted progressives, whatever, but I do feel like there is an underlying cynicism in the message of the government taking care of everything that uh, that appeals to our baser instincts, and that represents that to me. Or, um, like, I believe in this case that uh, Abrams represents herself as kind of being this grassroots person, being, you know, growing up... Uh, working poor, I think she calls it, in Mississippi. It's very hard to find information about her parents and where they came from. Her parents are very well educated. They moved from, I think, Madison, Wisconsin, um, when Stacy was uh, very small. It's just hard to get the backstory. It's hard to really understand where she's coming from. But it's not really that hard to understand where she's going. She went to Yale Law School. She has a lot of fellowships. Her sister was a judge appointed by Obama. Another sister works at the CDC. I mean, this is a very accomplished family. I don't, I, you know, as someone who did grow up pretty poor, my father's a truck driver, I I think there are real advantages to having parents who kind of know how the system works, and I would like to know more about that to understand kind of the authenticity of this stuff. But I do find it a little bit cynical uh, that, you know, you kind of promise all things to all people and then uh, you're really serving other goals. And I, and I think that that might be what's going on here right now. Actually, um, Binkley, first, uh, how are you doing, Binkley? I can't hear you. I'm fantastic. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. Do you, um, let's have a tweet. All right. We have one from Brian who tweets, My boss walks into the kitchen at 4.30 and asks, You listening to Monica? Then she gave me a fist bump, a high five for the tweet that she heard and and read, and a warning not to text at work. Ha ha. Ah, sweet. That's sweet. super sweet. That I saw that one. That was from last week, but it's still awesome. Um, let's uh, let's do. Can we do clip five? Yes, we can. Having grown up in a working poor family where I saw my parents work every day, my parents were the first in their families, my mom the first to graduate from high school, my dad the first to go to college. So I think, I mean, the way that sounds, and her mom is like super duper accomplished, many, many degrees, I'm sure the dad does too, but you can't, I just haven't been able to find too much backstory on on that um, and how authentic it is, but maybe it is. Uh, I can't really say, but I do, I do think that she's promoted by, uh, people kind of, of above and beyond 
the Georgia get grassroots as she presents herself. But and I and I think Stacey Evans brought it out in the debate the other day. Can we hear clip three? I am spending my days focused on bringing hope and opportunity to Georgia families and meeting as many voters as I can. And what Ms. Abrams' campaign manager files against my campaign is not my focus right now. My staff has reviewed that and assured me that it is frivolous. Um, and for what I have heard of it, I know that it is as well. Um, the only third-party money I know that's come into the, this race so far is from San Francisco to support my opponent. Those are the only third-party groups that I've seen activated in this, in this campaign. I am focused on Georgia. I am proud that over 90% of the campaign funds that are helping us in this campaign come from within the state of Georgia, as opposed to my opponent who can only say that somewhere around 35% of funds come from within the state of Georgia. So, you, Binkley, you, you did a little digging on, into Abrams' funding, right, and kind of what, what this is all about? I did. What did you come up with? Well, she presents herself as being grassroots. I get her emails and very adamant about how grassroots she is. Well, she's not really that grassroots because her top funders are Soros and his sons. And another one of her main funders is Tom Steyer, a huge liberal really, donor. Yeah, I know a little bit about him. Do you know anything about him? He's He's very kind of by the book white shoots isn't he like a Goldman guy or morgan stanley guy i think he was a hedge fund manager he has all sorts of those kind of what i consider to be deep state credentials he went to exeter i think he went to yale um you know i mean these people i, I should talk because i do have ivy league credentials <laughs> also you know but i know what these people what they're bringing and where they're going you know i was the only one who really uh i mean i was like a deer in the headlights going through this stuff. But these people who have billions of dollars, like uh, Steyer, I think he comes from a family like that too. Did he work at Sullivan and Cromwell or his father? That's a real deep state organization. So I, I wonder about his motives. What do you know about him? Well, he is one of the biggest liberal donors every campaign round. And him and Soros together started a group called Democracy Alliance, which is a group of major liberal donors that get together and donate things into things around the country to push their agenda. They've been donating Abrams projects since 2015 with the New Georgia Project, I believe it was called. And Steyer, he's a controversial figure who is currently on a impeach Trump tour where he is pushing. Oh, yes, that's yeah. how I knew him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pushing reparations by the year 2020. Yeah, I was looking him up for that reason a while ago. Wait, so he, the impeach Trump thing is pushing reparations? Yes. that's. And what are reparations? That the United States government should compensate descendants of uh, slaves because of the kind of damages of that? Like what I was saying, like so much easier to get ahead when the your parents are connected or whatever. And on the flip side, it's it it is a, a multi-generational legacy of poverty to descend from slaves as the it would be the damages right am i understanding that correctly you are all right so my problem with that kind of thing is you have to like my for example my parents came over my grandparents and ancestors came over like at the turn of the 20th century like 1900 
and we're at, I went back to Ireland where one of my relatives, my grandmother was from, and I did not even knock on the door. They were so poor. I was like, I don't even want them to offer me a cup of tea. You know, I just kept walking. There wasn't even a street sign. This was recently. I went back. So I'm certain that my ancestors are not guilty. And since I'm an individualist and a libertarian, you know, that that that's how I think of like you have to prove that's how our law works, prove that. But I think this the collectivist viewpoint, which has its history in Plato and, and other legitimate sources, is that there is a um your social responsibility, you're responsible for your government, that the damages have been ongoing. I mean, I'm sympathetic to the to the issue, but I don't I don't think reparations is the you know, makes sense the way our law works. Or as as me as an individualist, I would not I don't go for that. But anyway, my two cents. That's a subject that has apparently turned a lot of voters off and I think for that reason Stacey Abrams hasn't openly associated herself with Stayer. Oh, that is an unpopular thing because I, I really don't know much about it. Uh, okay, yeah, so, but he's into it. He, what, why, you know, sometimes I think these guys, sometimes I think, a guy like that, you know, who obviously has a really big political agenda, uses these issues as emotional levers, obviously, you know, so he, he maybe m- makes it sound like I'm just doing this out of the goodness of my heart, but I'm sure he's got purposes behind it, maybe to polarize people i think the conflict among people is what's driving this uh you know driving the next political wave anyway keep going so stayer came to atlanta for that impeach trump tour and he was asked after it if he's going to get involved in the georgia election and he responded by saying that he he's going to wait and see he usually doesn't get involved in democrat versus democrat primaries which i thought was kind of odd because he has already donated to stacy abrams so Did anyone mention that besides you i don't think so him and his wow. wife have both donated to her and i think it's probably to cover for her because he is a very controversial a liberal donor wow that's pretty crazy I mean, that's deceptive, right? It's certainly deceptive. Any other way to read that? Yeah. You want to hear another thing that uh, the Abrams campaign is doing that is a little bit deceptive? Yeah, we have a minute. They send out a campaign email that says, I am proud to say that this is truly a grassroots effort. 83% of donations to our people-powered campaign were under $100. Now, that's straight out of how to lie with statistics right there. (laughs) Because? Because it makes people believe that 83% of the total money raised came from a bunch of under $100 donations. But that's not the case. It's 83% of the donations, the individual donations, the number of them were under $100. And a lot of those donations are like the campaign finance head of her campaign donating $1 12 times in the span of a week. And the majority of the actual total money comes from large donors like George Soros, like Tom Steyer, like um, Catherine Bradley, who is the... Wait, don't tell me. Don't tell me. All right. Let's hold it for after the break. Let's take a quick break and, and you can... I, li- I love numbers. I want more numbers, <laughs> Binkley. Right after the break, this is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Maybe it's something really cool that... I don't even know about, you know. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. 
We are talking about the Georgia governor primaries. I would say the heir apparent to the Democratic nomination is Stacey Abrams. I'm starting with her. We'll get into the Republicans in a later show. We're going to be covering this all year. It's a big year. Uh, And Binkley, my producer, has been digging into some of her funding in response to this is Stacey Abrams funding in response to something Stacey Evans said at the debate about most of Abrams funding coming from outside. We covered some of that earlier. Um, You just wanted to I wanted you to finish something up on that, Binkley, and then we can talk about it more after the next break. Who what was that last thing you said about uh, her donor? Was it a donor? A donor named Catherine Bradley, who is the wife of David Bradley, a board member on the Council on Foreign Relations. Catherine Bradley is known as the shadow chancellor in Washington, D.C., because she has so much power that people fear that she is controlling D.C. education reform from the shadows. That's very interesting because the most alarming thing I found in um, in a- Stacey Abrams' policy ideas is her are her ideas about education and the relationship between state and children. Now, of course, I'm a libertarian. I'm going to disagree with her. But I think a lot of kind of center people are going to find this a little beyond anything they would want here in Georgia. But let's talk about that after the break. Uh, 800-WSB-TALK, or you could tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.